0: ComSea.com is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 26 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a ComSea.com account, you can purchase cards from different sellers over time, ship them home together later, or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComSea marketplace. ComC reached an incredible milestone during this year's national by processing their 100 millionth item. ComC looks forward to offering safe and easy trading card consignment for years to come and continuing to focus on fulfilling their mission to optimize everyone's enjoyment of the hobby. To stay updated with ComC, please follow them on social media at Check Out My Cards on all platforms. To learn more about the exciting changes being made at ComC, please visit blog.comc.com. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. It is a good day to be alive. We just wrapped up another show at the shop we have kind of a small show that we do every month with myself the main shop owner and then there's usually three to five or six other local dealers who come in and set up in the shop and we kind of open up and let everybody do business and it was a good good show for me and i did another first first time i've ever bought out another dealer you know people talk about that all the time going into a show specifically with the intention of, of looking for opportunities to buy out other dealers at the end of the day, and I did that for the first time yesterday, and so I'm excited to see how this little move works out. It's the first time I've ever done it. I don't know if I used a, an appropriate strategy or the best strategy, but I kind of took a look at some of the bigger cards that he had and some of the, the bigger boxes of cards that he had and a, a little bit of sealed wax and kind of said, hey... What are my chances of getting my purchase price back with these big items? If I feel like that's a fair price, then the dollar boxes, the quarter boxes, and some of the low-end type stuff, that'll be where... My potential profit is, and if I can sell through those, there'll be some good profit left over at the end. And so, some of those bigger cards were in demand—some Jordans, some, Jordan, some Kobe's, some Shaq, uh, some some bigger name uh, vintage players. And so, that's kind of the approach that I took. And so, we'll see how it plays out. But as I always say, I love to learn, I love to experiment, I love to test new things, and this provided me an opportunity to test a new method of acquiring inventory. So buying out a dealer was something I did yesterday for the first time. So I thought I'd share a little bit about that before we get started. Today's interview guest is somebody else that I met at the Industry Summit for the first time. I want to give a shout out to, to Rob and Ivan. They introduced me to Lance at the first night of the industry summit and said it would be good for us to connect, and I'm glad they did because Lance and I got together the day after the summit to record this conversation to talk about his company, Onyx. They've been around for several years now. As you'll hear in the conversation, started out with autograph memorabilia and have moved into cards now and are an up-and-coming Smaller challenger to the big names, but I love what they're doing. I love how they're pushing the envelope and forcing everybody to think about their business differently. And so I'm going to go ahead and play that conversation with Lance here in a second. But first, I'm going to tell you, like I always do, about Underdog Collectibles, the online shop run by collectors for collectors that breaks new product every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday night. You can find out what they're breaking this week at udogcollect.com, and you can also check out their physical shop in tennessee they've got their full their full list of of products available they've got singles available so check out the store in knoxville or check them out at udogcollect.com and tell them wax pack hero sent you all right here's my conversation with lance lance welcome to the show thank you so much really appreciate it yeah i was glad we had a chance to connect for the first time at the recent industry summit had a a couple brief conversations there, but I wanted to be able to bring you on to help my listeners and myself even hear the the story of Onyx and and where it's gone and where it's been and where it's going. Uh, hear a little bit about your background. I think it's a, a pretty cool story, and so I appreciate you taking some time today. Yeah,
1: no, I appreciate you uh, for for the invite. Um, I think this is really exciting times and. Um, the more exposure we get across from from different manufacturers and those who uh, you know make a little bit of a difference is, is always good, uh, especially to the collectors out there.
0: Yeah, it's one of the things I like to do is is tell both the hobby and business sides of collecting. part of that is exposing everyone to the full range of, of players and participants in the industry, whether that's the big the big dogs like Thompson and Panini or the the smaller players like you guys and Leaf, as well as suppliers and and supply manufacturers and those types of things. So I love being able to share that full story of the whole picture of the industry. So again, that's that I appreciate you you coming on. Maybe we can start for those that don't know with, with just a little bit about your background in the hobby. I, I assume you got started collecting even as a kid, right?
1: Absolutely, as a kid, I, I had a buddy that got me introduced into collecting when. I guess, uh, about 10, maybe nine years old and, um, just became addicted immediately and, um, uh, enjoyed it ever since, um, kind of hustling, you know, buying and selling, even at that age, at that time, um, it was, it was just something that kind of got in my blood and, um, you know, collected forever. And then at some point decided, Hey, you know I what, I want to make this a, a business.
0: And so when you started that point where you wanted to make it as a business, were you starting as a business from the buying and selling perspective or, or was it just jumping right in to, to start Onyx?
1: It was just jumping right in to start Onyx. We had, I had collected autographs for a certain amount of time, um, you know, go to ball games and collect autographs and stuff like that of favorite players, um, guys that I thought had a lot of potential. So I kind of keep those and maybe resell those. Um, but we were a buddy of mine were we were driving to the Florida state all-star game and uh, the minor league all-star game. And, um, I looked at, it, I said, you know, we, we should start a business. But I said, not as a storefront or an online retailer, but as a manufacturer. And he looked at me as if I was crazy because he's like, manufacturer, are you kidding me? How are we going to pull that off? so we talked about you know our approach what we would start starting baseball um starting autograph so we were an autograph memorabilia company um from the beginning back in 2008 and um started building relationships with players and then agencies and that was tough a lot if people don't know who you are um, they really are hesitant to give you a chance. So, but when you start flashing a little bit of cash around stuff, uh, they, tend, they tend to open up a little more. So our, our very first autograph, uh, or exclusive even was Logan Morrison, for those who know who he is. And, um, Logan actually helped put us on the map a little bit. And, uh, from that point, uh, we did some shows, we did some product lines that weren't real successful at the beginning because again, no one really knew who we were. And then uh, I wanna say it was about 2010, 2011 at the industry summit, we introduced a small little taste of what our trading cards were gonna potentially be um, for those, if if there was enough interest and there was, and um, it it, (laughs) it was
0: really hard at the beginning, but
1: here we are today.
0: What year was that? Did you say that the first cards were introduced?
1: It was either 2010 or 2011. I want to say it was was probably the the, the spring of 2011.
0: Now, I was first introduced to the brand via some of that autograph memorabilia that you talked about. I think it was even some batting gloves, maybe. Did you do a a release of, of signed batting gloves? So it was those signed batting gloves and then the Onyx Vintage line was the mm-hmm. first time that I was ever really exposed to the the trading card side of your business. How how has that product cycle evolved over time? You know, you said you started with mem- with memorabilia. You do have you have cards now that have been yeah. been released more often or it seems more often that I've that I've seen. Yep. How does that product mix evolve or how do how are you looking to to kind of balance the the memorabilia with the the trading cards at this point?
1: yeah at this point it's really difficult um you know when we first started we had no intention in getting into trading cards only because i knew it was very difficult it's very competitive i mean you got the the big dogs out there and it it wasn't our forte our forte was collecting autographs getting memorabilia um you know one of the things we started the, the business was the game use aspect there wasn't anything out there at the time and we thought, hey, you know, this is something different, something that we can do. That's I wouldn't say cutting edge, but it's new. And it was a massive hit. And then, um, and then my design guy said we got to do trading cards. I kept telling them no, and so we did. But um, to your point, Mike, it's it's been a tough balance over the last two years, only because trading cards have taken off so so substantially that we haven't um, continued to put that, that strong emphasis on the memorabilia. Um, we'll start to do it again next year, but last year made it difficult because there was no minor leagues. And so getting some of that game use, some of those autographs um, was really a challenge. So we put that on the back burner. Um, the trading cards, not so much, cause it's a lot easier to send the trading cards in and get those signs and affidavits and so forth. So. Um, last year was very, very difficult balance. Um, this year we've just put emphasis on training cards next year. I think we'll start putting an emphasis again on the memorabilia aspect.
0: Was there a noticeable difference between the the results that you saw or the popularity that you saw from the, the Onyx vintage line, as opposed to some of the earlier, earlier ones that you had released? Absolutely. Massive difference. We, you know,
1: Getting into trading cards and, and and not having that that strong manufacturer background, um, we learned a lot during those. Gosh, I want to say probably the first seven to eight years, where you know what we did really well and the things that we didn't do so good. So it was really trying to say, okay, where's that sweet spot? Where's that spot that we're going to find the collector that is you know not only willing to buy our product, you know that's not very popular at the time. But, you know, it's unlicensed and being able to accept the unlicensed aspect. So, you know, our big thing is on-card autographs. We always do on-card autographs. That's kind of what we're known for. Um, you know, our images and how the vintage looks. So the vintage piece and that old school cardboard and that feel really kind of hit it. And people ate it up. They couldn't seem to get enough of it. And we were finding like, you know what, this is what we're going to stick with is we'll we'll do vintage. We'll do some premium here and there with our relationship with Putera and some of the other things that we've got. But vintage really put us on the map.
0: You typically have a pretty focused set of prospects that are part of the set um, or, or part of the different releases that you've got. How do you go about identifying who you want to pursue agreements with? Yeah, great question. Um,
1: a little bit of my background, I used to recruit for Florida State football, and that um, going out there and finding the right talent, you know, there's, there's, there's so many guys that have the potential to be big, you know, they, they've got the skill set, um, they're an athlete, I mean, insane potential in, in, in that piece. But the one thing that, that, that's not so easy to understand or, or being given the, the opportunity to understand is the mentality. Does the kid have the mentality and maybe the upbringing or the, the, the right support system in place to be successful? And that's one thing that I'm very adamant about because it's something at Florida State that was really important. If the kid had the athletic ability didn't have the mental ability to play the game. Um, it was really someone that, that we probably weren't going to be interested in because odds are they're not going to have the right work ethic. They may not have the right stability, you know especially as a quarterback position to uh, you know be able to control a game, you know listen to the coaches and so forth. So that was one aspect that we look into when we identify the right prospects. And um, as those who've, who've been collecting our, our product for so long have seen that with the Ronald Acuna's, um, you know, so, some of the Gary Sanchez and, and some of these other guys that came out of nowhere and now are, you know, MLB stars. So, uh, you know, it's definitely helped that aspect.
0: How has the, the recent kind of rollout of NIL impacted your plans for the future?
1: Oh, man, <laughs> it's huge absolutely huge you know july 1st um put the business in such a whole nother gear i mean we it seemed like we were driving a uh i don't know maybe a ford taurus and now we seem like we're driving a lamborghini not in the sense of of, of money but in the sense of speed i mean it just everything came at us so fast and um you know, we, we have agents on a daily basis, reaching out, you know, talking about these players that they're going to represent and and wanting deals and so forth. And, and at the same time, it's our breadbasket. We're all about identifying that next all-star, that next all-pro. And so with NIL, um, you know, we're able to expand now into college football, college basketball. We're looking at other sports, potentially doing a multi-sport product, And um, I'm excited because not only did we get into football this year, but now we got into college football, which baseball, I think we did pretty well. But my background is really identifying the football guys. And so I think we're going to be able to bring not only, um, you know, a great product to collectors and and investors, but um, some talent that may not be identified, um, you know, kind of those under the radar guys like the, the, the Tom Brady's and so forth. That you know came in college as a, a two or a three star guy, and uh, and seeing that so exciting.
0: What have you done in the basketball realm?
1: We so our first basketball product is going to release next week. Um, we had a nice mix of veterans, you know, NBA guys. Uh, Steph Curry's in it. Giannis is in it. Uh, Chris Middleton. I don't have the list from me, but some some really good talent. And then we did some uh, retired legends uh, are in it, and then we've got a lot of this year's first round guys. So we put a nice little mix of that, and then of course we'll go into college basketball and um, identify again those. You know, unless things change, but it's going to be those one year guys. You know, with some veterans mixed in there that've been playing. You know, at their college for three, four years. But um, yeah, it's exciting. Same approach as baseball, you know, identifying the right people that are going to reach that NBA level. And then uh, once they make it to the NBA, you know, be future uh, all-star.
0: Over the last several years, you know, there's been the the, the big players that you referenced earlier, you know, with, with Tops and Panini mm-hmm. um, with their licensed products. And there's been a handful of, of smaller companies like you that, have focused on, as you described it, you know, the, the unlicensed side of things with a smaller checklist focused on some key prospects going in mm-hmm. with the recent announcements and the recent things that are, are coming with um, the fanatics acquiring the, the official license league licenses with the big three or with the, the big three sports that may shift or, or some are speculating that that might shift the focus of Tops and Panini to move into that unlicensed space with the likes of, of you and, and Leaf. Right. Um, how, how are you looking at that opportunity kind of going forward is, is there, you know, I, it can be kind of a tough question, but I, I'm curious because it has such an opportunity to broaden in my mind, the, the potential reach and the acceptance of unlicensed product and grow and grow the overall market for unlicensed products. But it also means some additional potential competition.
1: Sure. No, I think it's a great question. Something that should, you know, honestly should, well, it's been addressed in the past on, you know, what's, why is unlicensed products so taboo? And, you know, it's funny in this industry, you know, we know the Paninis and the tops have had exclusive rights to the NBA and NFL and MLB and, you know, with upper deck and NHL. And, you know, there's, especially in this past year, there's such a demand for product that I think people opened up the idea of accepting unlicensed more. Um, but, you know, the, the one thing that, that I've talked about, especially at the, the, the Las Vegas Industry Summit, I think it was a couple of years ago, is that the collector, the investor, you guys control what makes sense and what doesn't, okay? And if you're getting a licensed product that you don't like, and just because there's a logo on there, doesn't mean the unlicensed product that looks insanely cool, or it's got that patch or that on-card autograph or whatever it may be, is not bad. It shouldn't be considered bad or taboo. I get the logos. I love the logos too. And I'm gonna buy licensed product. But you gotta give unlicensed products a same, you know, kind of that same opportunity. There's gonna be, you know, more, more than likely, more value with those products. I can tell right now, without the license, we've been able to keep our price points a lot more competitive because we're not paying those additional fees and so forth. So, you know, and keeping the on-card autograph. I mean, that's you know, everywhere we've gone. We've never heard anyone complain about, oh, your cars are on card. You know, I don't really like that. So, you know, those little things that even though it might be an unlicensed product, to me has its own value. And I think, I think some people or a lot of people are starting to understand that aspect to it. And now with the recent announcement, you know, because Tops may be unlicensed and who knows what's going to happen in the future, but if let's say they do put out product Bowman, but you don't have the logos anymore, are you gonna stop buying Bowman? Does Bowman be, you know, from 2024 on become worthless? So th- those are the things I think people need to think about. And I, I you know, I love the, the, the competition. I mean, this is a hobby. This is an industry that thrives on it. I don't think anyone would go back and say, I would never buy Don Russ again. I would never buy Fleer again, you know? Um, And they're gone. Well, they've come back in one sense. But, you know, I think competition is a good thing in this industry. It keeps us on our toes. It makes us be innovative. And, um, you know, keeps us keeps us right, keeps us honest.
0: Now, have your products typically been released only through hobby channels? Or do you have retail versions of your releases as well? No, we've
1: only done hobby. Um, we, we've had some approach to go retail and Target and Walmart and so forth. Um, at the time, w- resource wise we, we weren't ready. Um, now next year or in the future, um, I think that's something that we'll, we'll take a look at. It's a massive opportunity for us. Um, so you, you could see some Onyx product at the at Target and Walmart's here in the next uh, maybe year or two.
0: Let's talk a couple minutes about the industry summit. You were there this year as part of the product showcase. You talked earlier in our conversation about some of your initial introduction of some products you've done at past industry summits, right? What are your goals when attending an event like that?
1: (laughs) It's, it's educating
0: people about,
1: about Onyx, um, and, and not only just Onyx, but just the industry itself, you know, the unlicensed aspect. Um, you know, it's just, again, it's this big taboo word, unlicensed, that card's unlicensed, so it's worthless. And we're seeing that's not the case. There's more and more acceptance of that. So during the industry, it gives us an opportunity to get in front of the shop owners, in front of the distributors and, and other individuals that can help spread that word, that message of, you know, unlicensed isn't bad. You know, one of the things that we we heard this year that was a massive opportunity is that you've got more and more people now coming into the industry. You've got more stores opening and their biggest complaint is I can't get product. How can I open a store successfully if there's nothing on the shelves? And so we've got a lot of people wanting to buy direct. Now we're very hesitant on opening that door because we've got phenomenal relations with our distribution channels and so forth. And we don't want to burn that bridge. But at the same time, if there's, not a way for them to get product and we can produce it without saturating the market, then, you know, we're gonna help them out. We've got a, there's a store here in Orlando that's about to open, I think in the next month, they said. And because they're local, we wanna help them out. So, you know, again, and, and they're open to unlicensed stuff. So, you know, that's a great question, Mike. Those are the things that really at, at, at summits like this, is is the message we want to deliver is unlicensed is okay it's not a bad thing we see people making lots of money off of it. our football product did insane blew out any 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 numbers that i thought maybe the stuff would sell in the secondary market so um and and then helping the shop owners um you know i think john saluer said it um you know without the stores this industry is going to fail you've got to be able to go to these stores and be able to buy a product on the spot so
0: you just mentioned uh, Josh Luber and the session that they did was with some key influencers and and movers, I guess, in the, in the hobby. That was one of the other things I was curious of. You spent a lot of time behind your table, you know, meeting with attendees. Were there other sessions that you got a chance to sit in on?
1: I, I definitely sat in on, on
0: Josh and, and DJ Ski and Dan
1: and, and of course, Ken um I thought it was great I you know I loved what they said um you know but um you know I'm I'm gonna quote Josh again but to Josh's point it's all about execution you know we can talk things up all day long we can talk about how things will be great in the future how this is going to work and blah 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 but if we don't execute it and we don't work together it may be a little bit of a challenge you know collectors as we know are, are very finicky and if things aren't done the way that you know I won't say that we're used to because I think sometimes things need to be shaken up and rattled around but if things aren't done a certain way um it could scare a lot of people off it could scare a lot of new people that are getting in the industry for the first time it could scare a lot of people who've been doing it forever and so um you, you know, the execution of this has to go really well. And if it does, man, I think they hit stuff on the head. I think this can go from a, I think Ken said, you know, potentially a 15 to $25 billion industry to, you know, over a hundred billion. Um, so uh, there,
0: there's going to be some really important pieces
1: having to be done here in the next couple of years, really executed efficiently.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's what it's really going to come down to, to see how all of these changes get executed, the the new competition, the way that that's going to force some some change and in innovation and continuing to make sure people are on the top of their game. And um, I'm excited to see where that where that goes. Well, hey, before we go today, what are some things that you've got going on that are upcoming that you want to make sure people are aware of? Yeah, you know, as I
1: mentioned earlier, we we got into football and basketball this year. The, the NIL space is, is is the Wild West right now on our end anyways. Um, but uh, we've got our vintage basketball coming out next week um, as long as our collation, all that stuff goes smoothly. But next week is the goal for that. Um, we're going to be doing our vintage extended baseball, which we're really excited about the checklist looks. Absolutely insane. Shohei Atani, Ken Griffey Jr. Most of this year's first round picks. I mean, it's very strong. And then uh, the NIL product that we're going to put out, college football, college basketball in the next uh, four or five months. Um, so some some really cool stuff coming out.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. Where can people find you and learn more about what Onyx is doing?
1: Follow us on Twitter. Twitter is the best way to keep up the speed. Um, we've got to get better at it um so uh, which we will but uh twitter at onyx underscore authentic or you can follow us on instagram which is onyx uh, authenticated and then of course our website onyxauthenticated.com all right well thanks again lance great thank you mike appreciate the time
2: the sports card Shop is your small town local card shop with the global reach located in new buffalo michigan the shop is one of the most accessible in the Midwest. In addition to being an authorized Panini direct dealer, the sports card shop carries all major trading card brands, including Tops, Upper Deck, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, and more. With all that new wax, a half million singles, and showcases full of graded cards, you're sure to find something great for your collection. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned collector, the sports card shop is your one-stop shop. So call us, come see us, or visit us on the web and social media. Our phone number is 269-469-0140. Website is the sports card shop at Moco.com. The Sports Card Shop is part of the MoCo Retail Group, connecting sports, the hobby, and people around the world.
0: Well, it is going to be an interesting couple years, and I can't wait to see how this all plays out. The increased competition, the increased openness by collectors to unlicensed product, the, the move of fanatics and what they're going to ultimately do. I know we've been talking about this for weeks, but I really think this whole thing has the opportunity to take trading cards to the next level to really solidify their place in the hearts of collectors, but also the minds of the, the community at large and and broaden the exposure that cards get and the acceptance of cards as pieces of art. I think all of that has the chance to go to the next level over these next few years, and I can't wait to see how it all plays out with the, all the companies that are currently involved, and I'm sure there's going to be some more coming. It's, it's going to be fun. I can't wait. It's a great time to be in the hobby. It's a great hobby to be a part of. Let me know what you think about today's conversation with Lance. Reach out to me on Twitter at dmikesummer. Send me an email at waxpackhero at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram or TikTok at waxpackhero. I would love any feedback. And don't forget to leave a rating and review if you haven't already. Really helps me know what you like, what you think could be better, and it helps other people find the show. Well, that's all I've got for you today. So I'll catch you next time.